Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Our hearts are full, Lord. Your promises are so awesome. Who are we, O oh Lord, that you even give us a promise like that? Who are we, O oh Lord, that you promise to fill us with your spirit to the overflow? Who are we, Lord, that we receive your promise by faith? We confess it is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You promise us everything not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is in us. So, Father, even now, as we listen to your word, I pray, Lord, we will decrease. Christ will increase because Christ will receive every word of the Father. His heart was always set on the Father and his will. So even tonight, Lord, let Christ increase. Let Christ receive glory. Let Christ be lifted up. Let Christ have preeminence in our midst, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Scripture talks about um, to the servants of God. It talks about bringing the old things and the new things to God's people. And we refresh our memory and God also takes it to new levels, new discloses new things about him which we didn't know before. But today would be probably more of refreshing because we are just two days into the new year. Actually, today is the second. And we saw about putting God first through last year and we finished with that. The reason is unless we put God first, God cannot lead us. God cannot. God cannot lead somebody who puts him second. If you and I want God to lead us, and I'm telling you, it's, it's not even an option as time passes by. We need God to lead us. But he cannot lead us unless we choose to put him first. And when we don't, we come back, we repent and keep reorienting our our life it should be like the GPS when we take a wrong, wrong turn. It reroutes us. Okay, and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to reroute us each day so that we put Him first. Otherwise, 2019 will be just like 2018. The hangover might have lasted till last late yesterday. After that, it's just another day. You ask all the people in the world. <laughs> the only thing they will ultimately remember about watch night, their watchless night was the hangover. It shouldn't be so for God's people. It was never meant to be so for God's people. Okay. Listen to Moses. For us, it's very familiar. So many things which are so incredible in the Bible are so familiar for us because we have looked at it over and over again. But when I go and I travel, I find what is so familiar to us is absolutely new for people. So don't uh, be very casual with familiar things, okay? Listen to this incredible man of God, Moses, when he prayed to God, that very, very famous prayer, Recorded in Exodus 33 and verse 13. Okay. 
Therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I might know you. No, this is his prayer. He says, show me your way, please, that I want to know you. That should be the whole thing. We are not asking, Lord, show me your way so that I walk in that way and there is no trouble because you will take care of. The reason, yes, that is all what they call the added effects. But the real reason why we want to know his way is because we want to know him. Because a man is known by his ways. Okay, so when God grows in us, Christ grows in us, our ways become consistent. And that's what. So it begins with our thinking, and then it moves into our action. So he's saying, Lord, teach me your ways. Show me your ways that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider this nation is your people. And God was so pleased with that prayer. And his answer was this, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. You have to look at the question, you have to look at the answer. Sometimes if you don't understand God, that's not what I asked. (laughs) God, show me your way that I want to know you. He says, you know what, you don't worry. I know you are struggling how to lead these people stiff-necked people all this way. He says, don't worry. My presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Okay, that's what we want. We are only on the second day. The rest of the year, what do you want? We want his presence to go with us. We want that rest. We don't want a cessation of troubles. That doesn't happen, but we want rest in the midst of our troubles. This is my presence. Look at Moses' response. Incredible response. He said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. He's not saying, hallelujah, Lord, I'm so happy your presence is. He says, Lord, I'm making it very clear. If your presence doesn't go with us, don't take us from here. For how then it will be known, your people, and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth, He's saying, what is that differentiates God's people from the rest? It's his presence. And he says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't take us into the promised land. If you will not come with us, your presence will not come with us, then I would prefer to be here. He says, for me, what matters is not that land. For me, what matters is you. That's what will make 2019 different for God's people. It is his presence. If his presence doesn't go with us, 2019 will be like 2018 with a little difference here and there. His presence. God has already moved into 2019. We are to follow him. Don't live in 2018 in your minds. The only difference between us and the world should be summed up in this one verse. That makes a whole world of difference. The presence of God. This is what one man sought. Probably the greatest, one of the greatest of God's servants in the Old Testament. He's saying, Lord, I want your presence. The problem he faced was he was leading a mixed multitude who were led solely by their stomachs and by their feelings. Are you getting it? 
when we got saved what we received is the spirit of god and we have to recognize his presence we have to guard that presence otherwise we'll make the same mistakes that israel made they were moving into unknown territory both in the wilderness with moses and also in the promised land with joshua one thing they needed was the presence of god if the presence of god was there the provision would come the protection would come and the power would come to fight the battles see we ask for provision we ask for protection we ask for power the smart one asks for presence because where his presence is there there is always provision where his presence is there there is always protection where his presence is there there is all power to fight our daily battles okay that's why the first promise in the bible in the new covenant is you shall name him jesus for he shall save you from your sins that's how you and i become a people of god the children of god we go to him first for the salvation of our soul he forgives us our sins makes us a new person he saves us we become his children after that immediately the second promise in matthew 123 is that you shall call him immanuel he comes in us god with us that's the presence the presence of god and you have to guard that presence so that's why the new testament is so much about the holy spirit don't grieve the holy spirit don't test the holy spirit don't quench the holy spirit everything about the holy spirit because that is the presence of god in our midst in us and in our midst and as a, as a church when we gather we need to be very careful that we do not be honor the presence of the holy spirit individual lives 2019 learn to guard the presence of the holy spirit in our homes in our conversation in our behavior in our in 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 hindi say in our chal chalan in our conversation which means your whole behavior your attitude your walk your work everything guard the holy spirit that's what he's talking about because he's the source of everything for the child of god source of everything and he is the one the old man is fighting every day the old man in me is fighting the holy spirit every day in galatians 5 verse 16 and 17 i say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh this the only way he says is not fighting the lust of the flesh but actually walking in the spirit if you walk in the spirit you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and every day you wake up to this battle that your flesh your old man is fighting the holy spirit that presence of god early morning it begins it begins the battle begins and you have to walk in the spirit that's why your spirit our spirit where the holy spirit resides is the most important part of us and that is why leadership has to be spiritual first carnal leadership will lead to the flesh parts carnal leadership 
you always have to be very careful about which part of you you let lead you is it your stomach is it your intellect or is it your spirit because spiritual leadership will follow the spirit carnal leadership will follow the stomach in exodus 32 verse 6 when the spiritual man is up there in the mountain fasting and praying and in the presence of god scripture says down in the camp they rose early on the next day offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play not pray there a man is praying here the people are playing difference of the leadership up there is a man called moses down there is a compromised man called aaron both are leaders one is spiritual the other is carnal understand this always know this what is leading you what is leading you every day you will face the challenge first morning you can be asking holy spirit joel 223 fill me i want you and first night you can be gorging on meat and it's not even a joke it's not even a joke it's a very serious thing you are letting the ambience go so fast within 14 hours 10 hours if you have valued it so much you're saying lord i'm continuing in that i i i i value and this is what i've been looking for all my life i need you i need you lord i need you and i'm going to start straight off lord i'm going to guard your presence in my life i need you i mean this is the year of my destiny is last year fixing this year fulfilling and soulish leadership on the other hand will always fight spirit carnal leadership will also fight the spirit and it's a, who is that fellow soulish leadership will also fight the spirit you have the patterns in the old testament you will see Number 16 then Korah the son of Izar the son of Kohath the son of Levi with Datan and Abiram the sons of Eliab and on the son of Peleth the sons of Reuben took their men took men and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel 250 leaders of the congregation representatives of the congregation men of renown and they gathered together against Moses Aaron and said you take too much upon yourself now this is not the stomach this is the soul who do you think you are the only leaders why should we listen to you you people are always talking about praying and fasting and meeting the manna and following god who 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 made you boss over us and you need to realize there is the soulish leadership in me there is a carnal leadership in me and there is a spiritual leadership in me and all of us who are you following each day Whose voice are you listening to each day? Watch out for all this insight because there is a rabble inside you and me who is always craving for meat. That's inside us. Then there is this soul full of pride because of so much you know who I am. Chapter 1 and verse 1. Do you know who we are? We are the sons of Levi. Who are you? Son of Levi. So what's the difference between you and me? The difference between you and me is not your father and mother it's before whom I have stood. We are all the sons of Levi. But Moses has found met God on the mountain. That's what made him a leader, not his earthly heritage. 
Not his studies. Not his degrees. Look at that. The soulish leadership rising against our spiritual leadership. So you have to be very careful. Whenever you hear the word of God and God speaking to you, don't try to rationalize it with secular knowledge. Always secular knowledge. That is the soul fighting the spirit. Always. That's how that knowledge can be such a stumbling block to God working in our lives. Because we have much knowledge. Unlike previous generation, we are a scientific generation. That's the core essence of all our education. Not spirit. It is soul. The soul of man has been magnified with degrees. So we have to be careful. We all have a lot of information up there. That doesn't make us spiritual. So in us, all of us, there is a carnal part, there is a soulish part and the spiritual part. And both the carnal and the soul will always fight the spirit. They rebel against our spirit. Moses who longs and guards the presence of God is saying, I would rather live in the wilderness and eat manna every day of my life and drink just plain water all my life than go into the land flowing with milk and honey without your presence. You give me a choice. You can go to the land of milk and honey. Have a blast. There are houses, cattle, flocks, gold, everything. I'll send an angel ahead of you. You go. You'll win. But my presence won't be with you. I'll send an angel and give you victory. On the other side, I will be in this wilderness. He says, you know what? In this wilderness, you have only manna and water. He says, I'll stick here. I will stick here. This is this constant battle of the soul where you have to each day stand up and tell God, this is the decision I have made today. I came into this for you. The benefits are added. I did not come for the benefits. I came for you. That's why God asks us very practically every day to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer. He's not saying give. He can say give. In another place, since First Corinthians 6, Paul will say, he's bought you. You're not your own. The same Paul in Romans 12 will say, yes, he bought you, but he says, I gave you freedom. You choose. Offer. Offer. Offer your bodies. Practical. And we saw the past six, seven days, practical lifestyle of, of separation and fasting and praying as a living practice, as a lifestyle for this year. Separate your soul from the ways of the world. Feed your soul and mind the ways of God, the knowledge of God. That is the second part of Romans 12, 1, 2. Separate yourself from the ways of the world. Okay, all this knowledge is good. As long as it doesn't agree with the word of God, I leave it. If it agrees with the word of God, I receive it. But one thing I will do, I will not exalt that knowledge above the word of God. I look at the doctor's report, and then I look at my God's report, and I will still lift this report up. Until he tells me, you are going to die. Then even if the doctor says you are going to live, I will receive his report. Because he is the shepherd. He's the shepherd of my soul. Even my soul will define knowledge through his word, what he speaks. Feed your soul and mind 
with the ways of God, with the knowledge of God. That is the way of death to the old man, the self. While it is the way of life for the new man. And that is why Jesus said, very few will find it. Because it's a battle. And you cannot fight that battle without the Holy Spirit. And it is for that battle the Holy Spirit is given. The former and the latter rain. As soon as you hear it, you will not think about, oh, my vats are going to be full. My barn is going to be full. The Old Testament, the visible presence of God's presence, His Holy Spirit was given, or the presence of God was given in the form of the ark. But you look at how God told them. He said, make a sanctuary first. He didn't say first an ark. He said, make a sanctuary for me to dwell among you. Exodus 25 and verse 10. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among you. Did you see that? God has brought them for Israel. They are in the wilderness. They are going to the promised land. He says, you know what? You all got your tambus, your pal, your tents. You know what? Make me also one. Make me also a sanctuary because I don't want to be so far away from you. I want to dwell in your midst. Make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among you. You have to see that because the problem is we look at a temple, we look at the church, we look at the tabernacle as a place where we go to worship. No, that's the place where he dwells. That is the first thing. We put ourselves first and say, I am going to church to worship. No. He says, make me a sanctuary so that you can come and worship. He says, no, where I can dwell. The problem is the man puts himself first without putting God first. If you actually see this place as a place where he dwells, your entire thinking will change. When my people come together in my name, I am in their midst. The whole thing changes. No longer it is a place we go to do our stuff. It is a place where he dwells. That's what he's saying first. After building this about the sanctuary, he says in verse 16, you shall put into the ark the testimony which I gave you. I have given you a testimony. It's a testimony of God, not the testimony of man. He says, take the ark and put my testimony into it. And then it becomes the ark of the testimony. The whole sanctuary starts taking its significance from what you put into that ark. It becomes the ark of the testimony. Our entire life takes its significance by God's testimony put into us in the form of the Holy Spirit. That's our testimony. That's our significance. It is the testimony of the living God in us. The very spirit of Jesus Christ has been put into us. He says, put into that. Till then it is called the ark. Once that is put in, it becomes the ark of the testimony. And then in verse 22 he says, And there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony, about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. And he says, that's where I speak to you. I don't speak to your soul. I don't speak to your body. I speak to you there. That's where your testimony is, where your spirit is. That's where I speak. The 2019 become spiritual sons and daughters of God, not soulish. Not soulish, not carnal, spiritual. Because he says, that is from where I will speak to you. 
And every feeding of the soul is to discern what he is saying in the spirit. So the soul is fed with the word of God and not with the things of the world. You feed the soul, do not conform to the pattern of the world. But by the renewing of your mind, your soul, your mind is being renewed by the word of God. So that when God's spirit speaks to your spirit, you are able to understand what he is telling about each one for this year and the subsequent years. And that ark represents the presence of God for them. And God's spirit in our spirit represents that he is there deep inside and I have to guard that presence. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. Now this is another generation, 40 years later. They commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. God says, go after the ark. Go after the ark. Because that's where the presence is. Follow the ark. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. You have to be very, very conscious. That was what he was trying to teach Elijah on Mount Horeb. You got panicked and you, you ran from Jezebel. Why didn't you listen to me? There was an earthquake. There was a wind. There was a fire. He was teaching that prophet and asked something. He says, finally when God spoke, he spoke in a whisper. The Holy Spirit doesn't shout in your spirit. He whispers. He said, listen to me. Listen to me. And when you hear me, follow me. Look at the ark, he said. Follow the ark. Follow the presence of God. You are a set of people who will follow my presence. I go before you. But it's very clear. If you look at the temple, the tabernacle, the temple, subsequent temples, there were so many priests. So many priests with so many duties. When Israel broke their camp and they moved, if Israel was moving, the priests had so much to do. Everybody was assigned duties. There would be a set of priests carrying the brazen altar. The others would be carrying the brazen laver. Some carrying the table. Some carrying the light. Some carrying the shoe bread. Some carrying the poles. Some carrying the tent. Then one set of consecrated priests who are carrying the ark. He said all the others are good but don't follow them. Follow the priests who are carrying the ark. They are the ones who are carrying the presence of God. Others may be doing good things and good works. It is good. But when you follow, he's telling Israel, follow the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Because that's where the presence is. You're not following the man who's carrying the bronze altar. That means you're forever sinning and repenting. You're not moving ahead. That's all your life is in a circle. You're not following the priest who is calling the labor because you want constant cleansing. You're not moving forward. Don't follow the man who's carrying the table of shoe bread. Yes, you need that, but you're not moving ahead. It's only going into your head. It is not going into your spirit. You have become an intellectual armchair Christian. He says, learn whom to follow. The ark, the ones who carry the ark. And not, you know, during Jeroboam's time, he consecrated priests from every tribe. Every tribe. He says, follow the priests who are carrying the ark of the covenant and they should be Levites. What does Levi mean? The one who is joined to God. 
follow the priests who are joined to God, who carry the presence of God with them. You know from their life they are joined to God and not joined to the world. That's what Levi means. And you need to ask ourselves as new covenant priests, who are we joined to? Are we joined to God? Or are we joined to the world? Are we carrying the presence of God? Or are we carrying this, the presence of the world with us? Because we have to learn straight away. Don't wait for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Now, because he said, I will give you the former and the latter rain in the first month. And I take it literally. I'm not going to wait for the six months having fallen 300 times and repenting and say, Lord, six months are over. No, you said first month. And I'm going to do everything possible to see the Lord. I don't miss it. God. Be zealous for the things of God. For all priests are not levy. They are not joined. They are not joined. That's what we did the past six, seven, eight days. Why did we separate? Why did we fast? Why did we pray? Why did we spend time alone with God? Why did we meditate upon the word? Telling God, I want to be joined with you and enter into a new year. I'm joining my soul, my body with you. That's why it was left free. It's up to you. It's optional. God says offer. God did not say give. If God did not say give, I cannot say come. It's up to you. And after that, it's all left to us. Join with me every day, God says. We fasted, we prayed, we meditated. Remember in Luke chapter 1, verse 8 to 11, so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Who is this? Zechariah. And then, and the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of the incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. We don't understand this unless we understand spiritually what it means. Look at Hebrews and see what the book of Hebrews says. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant and overlaid. It looks confusing. Lord, what are you talking about? Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament record and the New Testament record doesn't seem to tell me. You're talking about the same place. You have the outer courts. You have the bronze and brazen altar and the labor over there. Then you come through another doorway. You come into the holy place where you have the table and the light. And then you have the incense altar. The incense altar is in the holy place. It's not in the most holy place. Yet it is right at the border. Right at the border of the holy and the holy place. Holy, holiest place, most holy place. That's where the incense is. God is telling us, do you know what the incense stands in the Old Testament? It stands for your sacrificial prayer and fasting. And when you are there, that's where you experience me. And his lot had fallen. This man is from the tribe of Levi. He has been fasting, praying. And for the first time, he got a chance to burn the incense. The angel appeared. God says, that's where I am. That's where you will experience me. Learn. The closest we in our daily life 
come to the most holy of holies is when we have consecrated ourselves in prayer to him. That's how close. Not when you are learning, which is good. We are receiving the knowledge of God, how to put it into practice. Not when you are eating. Not the light that shows, which is God illuminates my path. I got knowledge. I got light. God says, go now into my presence through the incense. In your fasting, in your prayer, approach me in your surrender. That's how we take all this knowledge and say, Lord, that's what I'm going to do this year. And I'm willing to pay the price. How much price do you have to pay? Sleep half an hour less. That's all. God's not asking all your time. He's asking me, give your quality time at that in the morning. Depending on what shift you are. That 30 minutes in the early in the morning, 40 minutes in the morning on your own, come to me. Prove to me that I'm first in your life. That's why I said, start. Don't delay. Don't delay. Do not let another year pass by. And God is waiting on us. Why can't we wait on God? Put him first. That's what he's telling them. Follow the ark. We are not taking, giving him this so much time when you guys don't have it. He's not talking about that. He's saying, can you just put me first? Can you just cut half an hour from your sleep? Wake up half an hour early? That's what Jesus did every day of his life. Before anybody woke up, he woke up. And he went to his father. He had no tabernacle, he had no place, nothing, not even a room. He went outside. In the wilderness area, it is still dark. No snake will ever bite him. He went there and he spent his time with his father. Put him first every day of his life. He says, that's all. It's so simple. Even for children, it is so simple. 15 minutes, 10 minutes early, set your alarm, wake up and say, I am going. I am going. Yes, I am in a dorm. Everybody is sleeping. Doesn't matter. I will kneel down beside my bed. It has become the holy place. And God is meeting me over there. That's all it takes. Like Susanna Wesley used to do. That's all it takes. One room or two room house. That's what God is talking about. How serious are we about this? Follow the ark. That's what the second generation is being. Follow me is what Jesus says. Come to me. Jesus says, and then he says, follow me. Come to me and know me as Yeshua, your savior. Then follow me because I'm Emmanuel, God with us. I will lead you from within. And they have been never this way before. That's what he told them. None of us have been this year before. (laughs) It's only like ahead of us. If we don't let him go before us, this year will be exactly like last year. But if you let him go ahead of us, this year won't be like last year. For so many years, so many people, every year is like the previous year. It's because they don't follow God. God is a God of incredible new experiences. On my right hand side, he says, it's joy forevermore. And you have to learn to follow him. Keep your eyes on God, on Christ, and walk. The minute you do that, it actually becomes a walk of faith. Because you and I don't know where he's taking you. You and I don't know what tomorrow is holding. Yes, it's the same office. It's the same classroom. It is the same place. But you have expectancy because he's taking you there. Something new will happen. Something new. 
something new. And you go over there, something new happens, some new experience to witness, and you realize it's the same office, yet it is not the same. Something new. Expectancy. When we don't have that, we are not following you. It was their first step of faith, the new generation. In Hebrews 12 and verse 2, this is what scripture says, let us, I like it in NIV, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix. He says, if you fix your eyes on Jesus and he is leading you, then he is the author of your faith. He is the perfecter of your faith. Author and perfecter. You see, suddenly he becomes the author of your faith. You're no longer walking by sight. Yet you're going to the same place. Yet you're not going to the same place. You may be going to the same office. I go to the same office. Yet the same office is rarely the same place. Not even today. Not the same place. You have to remember it is God who makes the difference. But there is a statutory warning, word of caution. In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it. It's almost a mile, 900 meters, a kilometer. Keep a distance. God says, follow the ark, but keep a, it's a statutory warning, keep distance. True probable reasons, and both are very valid. One, because of the holiness of God. Unprepared people move closer to God. It causes harm to them. And unprepared people go close to God. Your family lineage doesn't matter. It doesn't help you. You could be Aaron's own sons. You die. Because you did not keep your distance. You were not prepared. That's why this whole, this thing of preparing to enter into this year and preparing each day to enter into his presence. Yes, we sing, enter his gates with thanks. Those are all ways in which you enter. Sanctify yourself, God says to them. But keep a distance. One, it is the holiness of God. Remember, what was kept in the ark? What has kept in the ark, he said, I will give you my testimony to keep in the ark. Do you know what was his testimony? It was the Ten Commandments. He said, that's who I am. I am holy. I am righteous. My testimony is there in the ark. And God says, who know who I am, keep your testimony, keep your distance. The second reason is, again, practical and spiritual. Let us imagine this is the ark. And we are the Israelites. Now what happens? Everybody has to see the priest carrying the ark. Now if all the people are crowded around the ark, the people at the back cannot see the ark. Everybody needs to see the ark. Right? Everybody needs to see the ark. It's not only the people in the front. Judah shall go first. Only Judah should see whatever the other 11 tribes. If Judah surrounds the ark, then after some time they will say, God is only ours, not yours. That's what happened at the Pentecostal. They thought the Holy Spirit was only there. Then he started popping up in every church. So what is God telling us spiritually? 
is our life our day so crowded that we have lost sight of the ark was today so crowded so busy that we lost sight of the ark the presence of god that's what they say do you lose sight of the ark somewhere during the day and then suddenly there is ah oh, today is wednesday i need to go to church in between morning and evening do we lose sight of the ark because if we lose sight of the ark we lose our way he didn't say go wherever you want he says follow me follow me you will say yeah, pastor it's very easy for you to say you are in full time ministry that's not the point i'll tell you the the greatest in so many ways experience so i years in my life was 20 years ago where i was a full time lecturer and a full time pastor so my days was from 4:30 to 11:30 in the night 4:30 in the morning to 11:30 in the night and every day began the same way and me being finicky about food i never ate from outside either i cooked my food every day too my days were so packed with teaching and teaching the church teaching the college teaching the church but you know what i look back and i realize those were the years that framed me for ministry that you don't lose sight of the ark you don't lose sight of the ark even when you are in the college in the middle of teaching shakespeare you don't lose sight of the ark ask my last night suddenly after the blue in the whatsapp suddenly one thing jmsc new year i looked at it whose number how did you get my number look at it angie angie and i realized this was one of my kids in my class she was not even one of my actual students what i used to do in college was that first thing i go to the staff room then i go to the vice principal because the vice principal is in charge of the timetable and ask him is any english teacher on leave today and he will say as sir james i said which are his periods does it match with my free period and he will say, i said if it is please give it to me i looked for work so that i could go to the class and talk indirectly the gospel every day i sought to fill my day in college because i knew i am here for one and a half two years in this two years you're giving me 500 kids lord let me go to every class and tell them about my god in some way or other while i teach shakespeare and she was one of that kids she got saved she got baptized and she's got a four year old son and i said where are you she said here and she said uh, uh, sir we have a house church in my home i said hallelujah and i said you know i'm coming next week over there she said yeah i'm bringing all the youth from my church for your meeting do you realize that's what we do in the world we do our work we work hard but we never lose sight of who we are never lose sight of who we are this is who i am a lord i'm a priest i'm a priest lord i'm following you i'm following you as students as workers don't lose sight of the don't let senseless things clutter your day consuming activities that makes you lose sight of god don't get lost in the crowd joshua told them follow it and you will know which way to go follow don't come near it 
but follow it that you may know which way, by which way you must go. For you have not passed this way. None of us have gone ahead of this year. We don't know. But he says you will know how to go through this year if you follow God's presence. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, lead you. Determine this day. Lord, doesn't matter what it costs me. I have decided to follow you. Like those old people saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. No matter what. My eye shall be on the ark. I know, Lord, you are such a big God. So your eye is on the sparrow too. But I am such a small man. My eye is on you. And I am keeping my eye on you, Lord. And help me to keep my eye on you. You know, in these two chapters of Joshua, chapter 3 and 4, the ark is mentioned 17 times. In chapter 3 itself, it is mentioned 10 times because it holds the center of their passage and their movement. Can you look back today and say, 10 times when I remembered you, when I woke in the morning, when I prayed, when I meditated on your word, If you had your breakfast, when you said, thank you, Lord, when you went to work, Lord, take me safely. When you reached your office, or you thank you, Lord, I have a job. Thank you, Lord, I am in an English medium school. And when you sat to eat lunch with your friends, thank you, Lord, I have lunch. Did you remember him at least ten times? You see this little practical, practical ways. Ten times. I've said this testimony many times. Over the 10 years, so you may not remember. About a man who had grown up in a believing house, went wayward, left, and all, he went away. And he's now in his 30s. And he's sitting in a restaurant and having breakfast. And a group of Sunday school children who were going on a picnic were passing by, so they decided to have breakfast. And they all sat on an adjoining table, they gathered around, they all put their head down, and they started saying grace. And when they were saying grace, the Spirit of God started moving in his heart, saying, do you remember how you began? He looked at the van outside, looked at the name of the church. Next Sunday he was in the church committing his life back after 25, 30 years because a set of young kids decided to say grace in public, acknowledging the presence of God in their midst. That's what I said. I have put my testimony in you. Are we ashamed of the testimony? Are we proud of that testimony? It's you, Christ in me. It's the hope of my glory. Little things. We're not talking about big things, surrendering and going to the mission field. We're not talking about little things. Anybody can do it. Anybody. Little things. Come follow the ark. Follow the ark, said Joshua. Come follow me, said Our Jesus, the Yeshua. In English we say, stick to the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing as the main thing. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Follow the ark. How do I follow him? That's the problem in the new covenant, right? I don't see any ark. How do I follow him? But what does scripture says? All these things were shadows. The substance was Christ. The ark, which they could see visible, actually was only a shadow. We have the substance. They had a shadow. We have the 
They were following the shadow. God says, Christ is the substance. Remember the ark? Let's look at again the ark so that we will understand what it is. Which had the golden censer. Okay? And then when you go to the ark, in the ark was the golden pot that had the manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tablets of the covenant. That is what was in the ark. So he says, be like Moses. Do you know how he came down from the mountain after 40 days in the presence of God? You know how he came? He came like this, holding the law close to his heart. You say, you want to experience my presence? The substance that is Christ? He says, hold the law of God close to your heart. That law never changes. Old or new covenant, it doesn't make any difference. That never changes. What has changed is the Levitical law. I don't have to kill a lamb. I don't have to offer peace offering. None, none of those things. That's all gone because Christ offered himself. But the Ten Commandments, they never change. They never change. Will you hold it close? Because it sums up my relationship with God and how God will relate to me. The entire Ten Commandments. Will you feed Daily on that manna in that golden pot. Feed daily on the word of God. Jesus, come eat my flesh. Will we feed daily? And Aaron's road that budded. Do you have this expectancy that today could be the day of a miracle? Yeah. When I wake up in the mirror, I look like Sukhevuelati. Growing older by the day. But know you know Lord. Even with this old stick. You can do a miracle. I look with expectancy every day Lord. You are a miracle working God. That's your testimony too. You are a miracle working God. Every day. Even today. Today when I left I said. Tell my wife. Honey, today is another issue, you remember, right? And then I reach my office in the morning, I sit at the table, I open my Bible, my books, everything, and like God has taught me to do, I stretch my hand and says, you will make a way. Evening, my wife calls and says, there is a way. I said, I'm not going to think about it at all. I'm not getting distracted. You are the one who makes a way. I am not. My job is to follow. Your job is to make the way. In the evening, she said, you don't have to worry about today. This made a way for today. That's why God said, don't worry about tomorrow. Now, if you're taken care of today, then we'll say, okay, we start worrying about tomorrow. Every day, expect, fix your eyes on Jesus. Do real. Check what I'm fixing my thoughts on. What am I checking my, what am I thinking on? Jesus didn't die and rise up again to have a place in my life. He did not even rise up again to have prominence in my life. No. He said, I will have preeminence in your life. Remember, our church is built on that one word. Christ Jesus shall have preeminence in all things. Preeminence. Preeminence. Yes. Honestly. 
You build that spirit inside, the Holy Spirit, as you feed and you honor and you guard him. You wake up in the morning, you are ready to go to office and you sit down to eat your breakfast. You tell him, hear him say, not today. Give it to me. And you, oh, I will be hungry. No, you have expectancies asking me to fast today because I need to be even more sensitive today to hear from you. That's what he's trying to tell me. Read it the other way. Immediately you think about loss of strength and not as gaining of power. The carnal mind will say, oh, my, I have a long duty today. I have to stand on my leg if I don't eat breakfast. That's not what he's trying to tell you. He says, you're going to face challenges in the spiritual realm. You do not know of, I know of, and I need to speak to you. So don't eat today. That's how he ministers. He speaks. He's a real God, a living God. We don't worship an idol, a dumb God. We worship a living God. This is a personal. Don't look up to me, you know, Pastor, what should I do today? I will tell you, do what you do every day. Because I don't know what to tell you. My job is to teach you how to walk with God, not how to walk with me. I can't even get my wife to walk with me half the time. She's so busy. So I'm trying to teach myself to walk with God. Don't look at me. This is a personal walk with God. Don't worry about the outcome. Focus on following the ark. And avoid distraction. That's why you keep a gap. Avoid distraction. Because if your life is crowded, lose sight of the ark. It's very easy to get distracted. If Judah surrounds the ark, the fellows at the rabble at the back will look here and look there. He'll see a mobile girl and a Philistine boy. Gone. God is not in 2018. Doesn't matter how great the memories may be. Or how painful it may be. God has moved on. So if your eyes are in 2018, you and I will go around in circles like the first generation. But if our eyes are on Christ Jesus, we are looking ahead. God says move. Because Christ is moving. Follow me. What did he say? Joshua said, follow the ark. What did Jesus say? Let me ask you this question. Can you follow somebody who is sitting still? No. What does that mean? He's moving. He's moving. You can only follow somebody who is moving. Right? God says, I'm moving in time for you. Moving, preparing a place for you. I'm going ahead of you. He's moving. God says, follow me. Don't be caught in your past. Follow me. Follow someone who moves. In Joshua, can I have it? In NIV, I, did, I think I didn't give it to you. Joshua chapter 3, verse 6, 11 and 14. I have gave it? Okay. Joshua said to the priest, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead. Pass on ahead. And they went ahead of them. They went ahead of them. Verse 11. And the ark of the covenant of all the earth will go into Jordan ahead of you. It's moving. It's going ahead of us. And then, and when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. 
Jesus told, go tell the disciples, I have gone ahead of them. He's gone ahead of us. And we have to follow him. You cannot sit there in your armchair thinking about your old wonderful ministries. No, there are ministries lying ahead. Much greater than anything you have experienced. Much greater things are lying ahead. Don't sit in your armchair, respect your, what your age is, thinking, oh, I did my part. No, you haven't. You haven't finished your part until your body is parted from your spirit. That's when you have finished your part. Move ahead. Even if you're feeling scared or uncertain, it doesn't matter. Keep your eyes on Jesus and move ahead. Prepare to get your feet wet. There are going to be tough hurdles ahead. God is not going to pick easy ways and easy seasons to cross over. He may even pick the worst season of your life to move you, to show his power. Verse 15 says, And as those the ark came to Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edges of the water, for Jordan overflowed all the banks during the whole time of... He didn't pick an easy time. He doesn't pick easy times for his children. Where is his? If there is only two inches of water, what glory does God get in people crossing? If he chooses to do something when everything is well in your life, your fit has a bodybuilder, your bank account has two crores, your manager loves you, your parents sing you are the apple of their eye and he moves in your life. What great testimony has God in your life? No. God will be glorified in our lives. He says, I have picked a tough time so that you will know if God can work in your life during those toughest days. In the other days, you will see, ah, he came during those days. It's not a big problem. He picked a time when Jordan was overflowing. And Jordan overflows during the seasons of harvest. You remember Sunday nights or a watch night service promise? I have appointed seasons of harvest for you. But the seasons of the harvest also will be physically the difficult times. But the harvest, you look at the harvest and go through your trials because there is a harvest kept during that time. Don't say, oh, the river is flooded. How can I go across the other side? There is the harvest. Scripture says when they crossed on the other side, they ate the produce of the land because the river is flooded. The harvest is there. Will you cross? If you don't cross, you will eat the same food you ate on this side of the river. What you experienced in 2018 will be your experience in 2019 because you didn't cross over. He says, cross over. Don't be afraid. Cross over. Our greatest opposition and our greatest victories, miracles often come together. Paul will say, in the midst of great trial and opposition. What did he say? God opened the door for me. In the midst of great opposition, in the middle, what does he see? An open door. That's where expectancy comes. That's where you believe, my God is able. It's not just a song. 
It's faith. I believe. Yes, the more opposition I see, the more I believe. He's opening a door for me. All I'm going to do is keep my eyes fixed and I'm going to follow him. And we sing all these things. He made a way where there seems to be no way. But when the priest carrying the ark obeyed the voice of Joshua, the river parted. Remember, it is the presence of God that makes the difference, not the priest. It is the presence of God. God has already prepared ahead for each one of us every day. We have to learn that from being still. That comes from looking at Jesus. Yet move through that hurdle. And as they crossed, verse 17 says, Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on the dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over onto the dry ground. Did you see something? People, the ark went first. Then the ark reached the middle. Then the ark stopped. Now the ark is not moving. The people are moving. And the ark is standing there right in the middle until the last person has crossed over. What is God telling us? He says, I am right there in the middle of your problem. And until your problem is over, I am not moving. I will allow the prob- you to cross the problem. I am right there in the middle of your problem. Only your eyes are closed. If your eyes were open, you would see. You would be asking, Lord, where are you? He sings right in the middle of your situation. I am. That's holding it together. You cross over by faith. He's not a God who abandons his people in the hour of trial. He's a God who stands in the middle of our trial. Believe this year. Believe. Receive it into your spirit, not into your head alone, into your spirit. Because often people ask, when I was going through all this, where were you? God God said, you didn't see me. I was right in the middle. We have all had those posters when you were young about the footprints in the sand. A man sees his life after he's died, dead and gone. God shows his entire life on earth has footprints on the sand. And he's going through this entire life and he says, there are portions of his life, there are no footprints. And he says, Lord, I look back and I can see these were the worst times. Because when he's looking into this thing, he can see one set of footprints and another set of footprints. God has been walking with him. He never realized. But there is huge gaps when there is only one set of footprints. And those were the worst times of his life. He said, Lord, in the worst time of my life, you abandoned me? He said, no, son. Those were the days I carried you across. Set of footprints you see. It's not yours, it's mine. I carried you. That's exactly what Israel, God is telling Israel. On eagle's wings, I carried you and brought you thus far. In spite of your unbelief, in spite of your rebellion, I was faithful to myself. I carried you and brought you thus far. That's how we entered into this new year. Not because of anything we have done. It's because he carried us through. Otherwise, we wouldn't have survived. None of us would have survived. That's why God doesn't even open our spiritual eyes to see. If we are not strong inside, he's not going to show us our opposition because we will cut and run backwards. So he says, you don't have to see. Lord, show me my future. He says, son, you don't want to see. Because if I have to show you a future, I have to show you both the night and the day. 
And if you see the night, you will not want the day. You will say, I will stay in Egypt and die and bury me there. That's what they each time they said. So God said, I forgave your unbelief and carried you and brought you thus far. Another generation has risen. He says, the promised land still lies ahead. You need to possess it. You need to possess it. If you look unto him and obey him, he will stay right there in the middle of our night. We are still safe. And we'll still cross safely. That's why his name is Emmanuel. God with us. He is our refuge. Scripture says his everlasting arms are underneath us. We don't realize. We don't realize what it means. His everlasting. I remember when I was in class 5 or class 6. I was studying in Bhutan. And in English period my father came and taught a lesson. And he taught a lesson. It was he, he just came in because the teacher wasn't there. Usually he didn't teach us. But he came in there and he talked about a boy, a little boy and a father going for a walk. So they went for a walk down the field and like this they came and they had to climb a small ledge, kind of a high place. They went and they came back. Now when they're going back home, it is dark. It is dark. And the father climbs down first and then he tells the boy, catch me. Jump, I will catch you. The boy looks down, it is dark. He says, Daddy, I cannot see you. He's against the night sky. The father says, son, I can see you clearly. Just jump. Just say, I will say one, two, three, jump. The father said, one, two, three. And the story goes this way. He couldn't see anything, but he knew that voice. And he knew the strength of those arms. So he said, one, two, three, here I come. And his father caught him. God says, you don't see anything. Do you see us tomorrow? Do you see February? He says, I already see you where you are. Because you are outlined in my son. I see you. You don't have to worry. You can trust me. These arms, that's why scripture says his everlasting arms are underneath us. You cannot fall below those arms. You cannot follow below those arms. Believe, trust, believe, trust. Who went in first? The ark. Who came out last? The ark. You think, Lord, I'm getting into trouble. He will say, no, son, I already am in your trouble. You're not getting in first. I have already gotten. Now you follow me. And when you get out, I will. That's what scripture says. He went ahead of us and he was the rear guard. Read the Bible clearly. When Israel was so scared, ahead is Red Sea. And God had brought them till there. And now when they look back, the Pharaoh, they are scared. Lord, what do we do? Ahead, there is no danger unless we get into the water. But danger is behind. Scripture says, God went behind. And he became a rear guard. And he was darkness to Egypt and light to Israel. You think he has changed? Lord, I am facing trouble. And I am believing, Lord, you will be light unto me and darkness to the powers of darkness. They cannot see me and they cannot touch me because you have become my rear guard. Believe. That's how the scripture becomes life. 
That's how scripture becomes life. I believe. I believe. Because he's the forerunner and the rear guard. He's the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. If you ask the second generation, what is the secret of your success? They will say, the ark. The presence of the ark. How did you cross Rodin? Because of the ark. Why did the walls come crashing down? Because of the ark. How did you win over all the cities? Because of the ark. His presence went before us. That's how we won. We can take no glory. Yes, we fought. But we also ran. When we took our eyes off him, we ran. When we kept our eyes on him, we won. So it was he. It was he. The ark. His presence is the only thing they needed. And his presence is the only thing we need too. Because his presence will guide us. It is not that I receive his presence and I can do my own thing. No. That's why his presence we have to follow. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5, God told him, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And Jesus tells his disciples and us, he says, yeah, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Follow me. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. He says, I will not leave you. So the whole focus is in bearing the presence of God. The purpose behind everything that we do, the fasting, the prayer, the coming together for the study, the study, the study, study of the word is not to get more knowledge. It's to get the knowledge of God. So that we are separating inside constantly from this wicked world. Perverse generation, as scripture says. And attaching ours is like levy, joining our souls with God. Spirit belongs to God. We have a soul and we have a body. Body goes into the world. But the soul part has to be attached to God. That's the key. It's not where the body goes. If the soul is attached to God, the body will be safe. If the soul is not attached to God, instead it's getting all this junk information from the world and you're making your decisions, all that, then you're being manipulated and your body will be manipulated. God says, no, remember Levi, his soul was attached to God. That's why he was chosen. That's why Levi was chosen. There were 12 tribes. When the day of reckoning came, Levi proved their soul was attached to God. We need knowledge. But we need the knowledge of God to make a place fit for Him. That's where true knowledge comes. Scripture says in Proverbs 1 and verse 7, fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. Let me tell you straight away, ask God for that. If you want to continue in what we began, even to have the beginning, the so beginning of a new year, second day, even have to a beginning of understanding of God, who, who God is, ask for the fear of God. Without the fear of God, we do not really even have a knowledge of who God is. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you want to look at fools or foolish ways, 
or where fools go wrong. We were all fools once upon a time. You, all you have to do is at the foundation. Last night when you were sitting and talking, I was saying, you know, this one building on earth which can never be corrected. This is called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. That's why it's called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Why? Where did it go wrong? Its foundation went wrong. If the foundation is wrong, you cannot correct that building. Okay. When God, when God uses the, the illustration of we being a house, and I use the illustration of it, aeroplane which has lost its course, aeroplane can correct its course. House to correct its codes, you have to go back and <laughs> break it down and start building all over again. So it is, don't take them as one-on-one illustrations, okay? Jesus gives much better illustrations because he's the teacher and just a student. The student makes mistakes the teacher never made. You look at what Jesus says. The fool despises instruction. The next one. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Don't try to build on anything that is not Jesus, that does not align with the word of God. Don't even try. If you try, you are a fool. God says, you are a fool. If you are trying to build anything that will last in eternity based on any knowledge from any other source which does not tally with the word of God, God says, it will not stand. Because fools despise what? Wisdom, true wisdom and the instruction of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 7 and verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a fool who is building on the sand. His foundations are wrong. His foundations are wrong. He says, do you see a fool? He says, don't be a fool this year. Whatever you build, be very clear. Lord, it is according to the knowledge of God because what I build, you should be comfortable there. Because build me a tabernacle that I may dwell in you. What are we building? A career in this world or a place where God is comfortable in us? He says, be careful. Be careful. Because fools despise wisdom. Meaning, you can't tell them anything. They will not take instruction. They will not take correction. They are set in their ways. And God says, don't be a fool. Saul was set in his ways. You could never correct that man. David, you could always turn him around. He was always willing to be corrected. And would change. Change his life according to the word of God. Don't be a fool. In Proverbs 14 and verse 9, scripture says, fools mock at sin. 2018 is over. Don't be a fool and repeat the sins of 2018. Because fools mock at sin. Fool is the fellow who keeps on doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results. God says, fools mock at sin. They take it very lightly. Very, very lightly. He says, be wise this year. Learn from the mistakes of 2018 where God has taught you through the word, through the spirit. Don't take it lightly. Don't do that this year. Stay away. And if you by chance fall, repent quickly. And it doesn't matter what is the size of the sin. If it is a small sin or a big sin, God's sin, don't be a fool. How do you know you are a fool? Because fools mock at sin. They take it very lightly. Very, very lightly. Very lightly. 
God says, don't take it lightly. Proverbs 1.22 scripture says, fools hate knowledge. They hate knowledge. This is knowledge of God. The fool does not want to know better. This is the way I always did. And this is the way I am going to do. I am not going to change. But when you follow the ark, when you follow Jesus, when you follow the Holy Spirit, the problem is, it is change almost every day. Almost every day. We may think we are receiving knowledge and therefore we are not hating knowledge. But if we hate the change that knowledge brings, then we hate knowledge. We can take as many notes we want. Fill our diaries. But that's not what God is talking about. He says, if you don't apply that knowledge and allow God to change you, you actually hate knowledge. And he says, don't be a fool. In 2019. Fools are absolutely self-sufficient without God. Self-sufficient. But they are still a fool. In Luke 12 and verse 20. God said to him, fool. This night. This night. Blessed is the man who has time to make peace and die. And does not die in an accident. You fool. At least this fool. God gave him a warning. This night, at least you got a few hours to put it right. They're self-sufficient. Absolutely self-sufficient. God does not factor into their days, into their actions, into their decisions. God says, don't be that way this year. He's a rich man, but he's still a rich fool, arrogant. That's why the book of James says, don't say that I'm tomorrow. You should say, if God wills. God wills. God wills. Learn. I've learned. Anybody calls me for a meeting and says, if God wills, if rapture doesn't take place and I'm alive, two things you have to factor in every day. He comes, I am left. Or you die. So I give them a third option. I die. I will not be able to come. He comes and I'm taken before that day. I will not be able to come. On the other hand, he comes and I don't die and I'm left behind. You are left behind. I will come and teach you repentance. (laughs) God is saying that knowledge of God, what has knowledge done to us? Us. Because knowledge is very powerful in the world. Knowledge makes you independent of God because the worldly knowledge gives you the power to make money. And money's problem is money makes you independent. And I've seen it in all these 30 years of my life in ministry. I've seen it all these years. Every, so many I can tell you, when they did not have jobs and they were struggling in their lives, they were all absolutely regular. And distance did not matter, job pressure did not matter, nothing mattered. Then trouble started moving away. They started making more money and immediately they became self-sufficient. And God started moving, they started moving God out of their life. The greatest danger that can happen. 
greatest danger. Because knowledge is power. That's what the world says. It gives you the power to make decisions which can bring you a lot of money. God says, be careful. Don't be a rich fool. You may be very rich, but if you do not have the knowledge of God, you are a rich fool. And then there is the worst kind of fool, which is found in Psalm 14 and verse 1. This fool has said in his heart, there is no God. This fool has said, there is no God. And the world is full of these fools now. There is no, you know, from the decisions they make. Have you heard? Everything is put in terms of rights. You want to have free sex. You don't want to conceive. So you call it as reproductive rights. Meaning you want to abort your baby. And government should give you sanction to abort the baby at any stage. That's my right. And I'm putting it a kosher term. Reproductive right. Fool. You do not know. There is a God who will ask you to account for every baby you aborted. You're a fool. Transgender rights. Fool. You do not know in Genesis 1, I said, male and female, I made them. You have said in your heart, there is no God. Homosexual rights. I fool. You do not know it is an abomination for a man to lie with a woman or a woman to lie with a woman. You are a fool. Because you said in your heart, there is no God. And you may be a preacher, a clergy, a bishop who is espousing all these causes. You are taking my name in vain. You are a fool who has already decided in the heart, there is no God. There is no God. Listen carefully, church, what God is talking. Because the day of reckoning is coming closer and closer and closer. A lot of people around, including in our own families, when they so proudly say, I don't believe, it's just to sanction their lifestyle. Nothing else. Because they know if I say, believe in this God, they know they have to change. So I don't want to change. So the simple thing to say is, I don't believe. That's why faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. Hearing from the word of God. All of us will sin. This year, don't justify your sin. Repent of your sin. Repent of your sin. Don't justify Because there is only one who justifies. And his name is Jesus Christ. No one else can justify. Only he. But he can only justify only only the sins we own up. Own up. Don't justify. I'm not saying we are perfect people. But God says, you can be blameless people. If you repent, the blame is on him. And you are blameless. Because if you confess the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all unrighteousness. If you walk in repentance, you are acknowledging every day in your heart, you are God. And the presence of Holy Spirit will be guarded in your life. You will hear His voice clearer and clearer and clearer as days go by. Clearer. The whisper will start sounding louder and louder in your ears. Fall in love with the whisperer. He whispers through Elijah on Mount Horeb after 40 days of fasting. He was teaching you and me. 
incredible lesson. You have a God who will whisper to you. Listen. I will ask you this question. What are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? You are not supposed to be here. Like David took Goliath's head, you are supposed to take Jezebel's head. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? I was telling them, look at the sequence. There was a wind, rocks flying all around. God was not in it. God was there, but he was not in it. There was an earthquake, everything cracking open. God was there, God was not in it. And there was a fire. Then after the fire came the, ah, Elijah, do you remember? 41 days earlier, there was a fire. And then the Holy Spirit came as rain. After I have cleansed your thinking, you will hear me. You will hear me. That's why he said, I'm not even worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. The one who comes after me shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and the fire. And as the fire cleanses us, the voice of the Spirit will become clearer and clearer. In the midst of the storm, you can rest. Because it's the Christ in you who is resting. He doesn't panic in any storm. He doesn't panic. There will be storms down the year. year. Don't panic. Don't panic. Learn to walk with him. Don't feed this fellow. Take fasting as a discipline. Eat when he tells you to eat. Extra. You have to listen. Obey him. Elijah, get up. Eat. Eat. He fell asleep. Get up again. Eat. Making him eat twice. The God who makes you fast at certain hours will also make you feast because you've got a long journey to take. Listen to the voice. Don't make this into an institution. Listen to what he is telling you. There are days when he will tell you to eat more. You need it. Some days he will tell you, don't eat at all. You need that too. That's why there are no rules like that in the new covenant. When I taught on that day about the first tent, I'm not talking about tithing. We are not people of the new covenant who gives God one tent. We give him everything. Not my first tent, Lord. My whole day is yours. Whether I'm at office, whether I'm at home, whether I'm traveling in the cab, wherever I am, Lord, whole day is yours. I'm not a 10% man, not even the first 10% man or woman. I'm a 100% believer. That was the principle in the Old Testament to teach us how to put God first. So children, start slowly. But at some point in your life, you should be able to say, I belong to God. I belong to God. Fear will go away. Don't let Fear control you or complacency control you. Remember those two words you heard on Sunday, first night. Israel did not fear God. So they missed the latter rain. And complacency, spirit is coming upon to give you a harvest. Be careful about two things, fear and complacency. Amen? Let's pray. Shall we stand? Father, this evening we just come to you, Lord. You are our God. And you're going before us. We are still in today. But you have already gone into our tomorrow. 
For the God of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. Even as he goes ahead of us, he watches over us. He watches over our going out and our coming in. Give us that confidence as we grow in you. That even though we walk through the valley of shadow of death, we will not fear any evil. For you are with us. Not just your rod and your staff, your very spirit is in us and with us. Go with us, Lord, even tonight. Frame our minutes, our hours. At home, on the way, at workplace, schools, colleges. Teach us, even the tiniest, youngest ones, teach us to build our lives through you, in you, for you. That you will receive the glory, even from the little babies in your house, Lord. You will receive glory. Because you said in your word, from the mouth of infants, I have ordained praise. Yes, Lord. All our mouths. You have ordained praise. Let it be a year of prayer and praise. We will live close, Lord, to the most holy place where our life will rise before you like an incense. And we will experience your power through this year, Lord. We believe, therefore we confess. Order our steps. Teach us, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. You brought us safely. Reach us all home safely, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.